0: Log Talk Radio. Welcome to Research at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, and joining me today is the award-winning author, Margot Lee Williams, for a discussion about her new book and research, Born Missionary, the Isley Walden Story. Born Missionary uses Walden's own words as well as reports from newspapers and church publications to follow his journey from enslavement to teacher, ordained minister, and community leader. Margot is a frequent lecturer for the Family History Centers in the Washington, D.C., Baltimore area, and a former editor of the Journal of the Afro American Historical and Genealogical Society. She is particularly interested in the community and family histories of people of color in the Southeast, especially those in North Carolina and Virginia. Born Missionary is her third book. So let me just give a warm welcome to Margot Lee Williams to the show. Welcome, Margot. Well,
1: thank you, Bernice. It's great to be able to talk with you again.
0: I'm just so excited about this new book and your research. So help us understand who is Isley Walden.
1: Well, most people who do know about him know him as a 19th century African American poet. Uh, He published, in his lifetime, he had published two volumes of poetry. One is called Miscellaneous Poems, and the other is Sacred Poems. And so he's often referenced in uh, English literature, in American literature, for 19th century African-American poetry. But not as many people know him as the missionary and teacher Um, that he was, that was actually his passion. Teaching and um, preaching the gospel were his real passions in life. So what about his
0: life, or maybe I should start off with, how did you learn about Walden?
1: Well, Isley Walden was the founding minister of the church in my maternal family's community in Randolph County, North Carolina. Not too far, about 13 miles outside of Asheboro, which is the county seat. And that church okay. is called Streeby Congregational United Church of Christ Church. Mm-hmm. And so
0: what inspired you about his life that you wanted to write about him?
1: Well, one of the things I realized was that um, although he was being written about as a poet, most of the biographical paragraphs that were written about him had really very little background information, and frequently had misinformation. And as I began to sort of look around to learn about him, I discovered there was so much more to his story, even though it, there is not, a, in many ways, there's not a lot of information about him. But there's so much more than had been written about him. And so I wanted to make sure he didn't fade into obscurity and that I brought out his real passion, which, as I said, was teaching, education, and the gospel. But, Margot,
0: you said, okay, there was some, if there was information, it was misinformation about him. Yeah. So help yeah. us understand your research journey to correct the misinformation and find new information on him
1: well the Among the first things I found on him were many articles referencing his work at our church in uh, a journal from the that from an organization a missionary organization that functioned in the nineteenth century primarily but into the twentieth century as well called the american missionary association and they were very big in education in the south um, among uh among people of color, both before and after the Civil War, and so uh, because he had signed up with them to come back to North Carolina to uh, after getting after being ordained, I began to see these articles and Then I began to pursue well what about when he was in, where he went to school, and I knew that he had gone to the New Brunswick Theological Seminary in New in New Brunswick, New Jersey, and I discovered, you know, just sort of by doing Google searches and ancestry searches and newspaper dot com searches, that, that there were many, many newspaper articles written about him in the newspapers in New Brunswick that basically followed the things that he was doing while he was in seminary. Um. And the last thing I really discovered was that if I really read his poems carefully in the volume Miscellaneous Poems, I realized that they were more like a journal in poetic form. And so he was telling you about the people he met, about the things he did, about the places he went, about, certainly about the things he thought. Um, but they weren't just, idle thoughts. These were about uh, things that were going on uh, historically around him and the people he was meeting, including President Grant. He had an opportunity and I have not had an opportunity and I would love to someday maybe sort of get into the Grant papers and maybe the poem that he gave Grant has survived somewhere in those papers. But that would be a really extensive research effort, but I have high hopes. (laughs) Well,
0: I hope that you do find uh, what he wrote to President Grant. So let's talk about Isley uh, just a little bit more. What did you learn about his family?
1: Well, that was particularly interesting because everywhere that you see information about him, it says that he is the son of a free man of color named William D. Walden. Um, And family members, his sister, uh, who he did not have descendants, he and his wife did not have children, and he died really about three years after they were married. So, um, you know, they really didn't have a chance to have children. But his sister did have children and has descendants um, living primarily in the Cincinnati area and they all said that that the father was William Walden and so I went to look for information about that I really didn't find anything conclusive it seemed possible but what really struck me was that there were several references where he himself said his father was a completely different person by the name of Branson Walden. And in a very extensive newspaper article written in um, a New York newspaper at the time he was ordained, that said he was the son of a former enslaved, formerly enslaved person who self-emancipated on false papers. Out to the Midwest. So that sort of made me wonder exactly what was going on. Um, and, and I also found, uh, also in his obituary in the American Missionary Association um, magazine, said his father was Branson, although they used the name of one of his enslavers and that was he was born on the Garner Plantation Um, and so while you're doing
0: this gathering because it's really interesting that first of all you became interested in in Isley Walden but then you went through a search process of well how do I find this man and it's probably something that anyone would ask a question when you're looking where do you look and you mentioned the missionary journals and what have you. So you're talking yes. about a man who was born enslaved. Yes. And In from there you're trying to yes. connect all of the dots. Who was his father? Yes. Where did he live? Yes. And so take us through your, let's say, take us through your research process. Maybe that will help people like me and others that really want to connect the dots to somebody that
1: they've heard a lot about? Well, you know, I I, I wish it was a straight line, but it tends to be rather circuitous. I would Mm -hmm. say that I really started looking for him um, because I knew he was with the American Missionary Association. I began looking in those papers for information about about his life um i also um uh, then from from there i began oh my i think i began looking at um records in the county and i found the deed from when he bought the, the property for the church um i then i i, I don't remember exactly when I, I I looked at every reference to him in literary mag, in literary journals and 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 poetry anthologies that referenced him, um I then looked at um i'm not I, I found information showing i knew that he had gone to because it referenced in in these places it referenced that he was a graduate of Howard University. So I went mm-hmm. looking for him, I went looking for information on that, and there uh, there are published school um, class lists of students, and I was able to find him on some of those class lists in the years that he was attending the university, and including some references to him in, uh, as an alumna uh, uh, of the school. And then... Uh, Newspapers, I think, really I began looking for newspaper articles And that really seemed to be quite the treasure trove There were articles in in newspapers in Washington That referenced how he had started What were known as Sabbath schools These were schools that were often held on Sunday afternoons um, Or Saturday evenings for, For working people and for children Um, To teach them reading and writing And that apparently It was a very successful school And and there was a newspaper article That referenced him In 1892 Now he left He left Washington, D.C. In 18... About 1876 after graduation from Howard because then he went on to New Jersey to To study at seminary and here all Even in 1892 they were remembering the work that he had done in in, with the Sabbath school Um, and in again Newspapers in New Jersey there were reference after reference to the work that he was doing again with students in the New Jersey area in fact The seminary published a letter that was online in their digital archives that referenced where he said that he had to ask, he had to beg for more money to pay for his schooling because he had basically used all of his scholarship money to help with the student mission, as the Sabbath school was called, which I thought was fascinating that, you know, please give him more money so that he can pay off his school debts because, you know, they won't let you graduate if you haven't paid all your debts and so that he would be able to graduate because he had spent all his money um, on, on the school. Then I found a newspaper article that he wrote himself when he was headed back to North Carolina where he talked about his trip. And how he had stopped in Goldsboro in North Carolina, part uh, partway you know partway back to um, to Randolph County, and he talks about his trip and the people he met there, and how fascinated he was with what was going on in Goldsboro, and he was actually sort of somewhat enticed to potentially stay there, but he ultimately did not. He then went back to Randolph County. I found indeed. In, I looked in the deeds because I wondered, I, I had seen that he might have his own property and discovered that by the time he died, he had about 194 acres of land.
0: Wow. Yeah. And we're talking about a man who was partially blind. That's, isn't that yeah. correct? Yeah. And, but he, he learned how to read and write and yeah. be- became a very well-known poet. Yes. Yeah. What a fascinating journey! How long did it take I, it, you to find out the information on uh, Mr.
1: Walden? Oh my! Um, I would say that I began. I began gathering information on him. I really began gathering information on him in earnest around 2011, 2012. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, about seven years.
0: Then how does this information, from your perspective, just um, add to what's, what's happening in your community and the Streeby Church?
1: Well, um, from the community's point of view, they're very excited because, again, the, the information that had come down to them in the community had really gotten very garbled because of a cousin who came to take over after he died. When he died in 1884, there was a cousin that then stepped in to help with the teaching. He wasn't a minister, so another minister came to do the actual uh, pastoring, but this cousin took over the school. And so because his name last name was also Walden and he also became well-known as a teacher and pastor, people thought they were one and the same person. And so they were quite surprised to really have that information fleshed out for them. Um, so this is and really they are very to set the record straight. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. It really is. And and to go back to the family information, because, you know, now having found this Branson information, and there was, I even discovered that he was married, before he was married to the wife that everyone knew about. And it was a, clearly a very brief marriage. Um, uh, but I found the the marriage record in Raleigh, North Carolina. And again, he mentions his father as Branson Walden. So, um so clearly the people that he was talking about. So the white man that he was talking about, when I began to to look into that more, or not the, he, excuse me, he wasn't white, he was a free man of color. But when I began to look into that man's information, I realized there was no way in the world he was going to be the father because, in fact, he wasn't old enough to be the father. He would have been, I don't know, like seven years old or something like that. But it was... But by sort of working through the genealogy information, it was very likely it was his father who was Branson's father, and that and, and over time, as often happens in family, the story gets conflated, and mm-hmm. they were confused about what generation who was whom. So at the back of the book, in the appendix, I have given my my genealogy um, uh, 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 an essay that explains how and why I came to the conclusion that I get a proof argument, um, that certainly someone could come along and have found information that would dispute any of my conclusions, but I do think I'm, I'm unreasonably solid ground with With um, And some other Walden family researchers agree with me That I'm on pretty good solid ground I have tried to find Mr. Branson um, But I haven't found him So I I don't know what happened to him He may have changed his name You know, I I had hoped that maybe I could find him Living like in Illinois or Indiana or Ohio But I I haven't found a good candidate So I, I, I don't know what happened to him Right. And you mentioned uh, the proof argument.
0: And yes. as far as you are concerned, your proof argument is
1: solid. I believe it's solid, but you know, because it is a proof argument and argument as opposed to you know the 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 the, the, the documents with the, you know that someone has literally told the specifics to I it's the it it, it it is a solid proof argument, and I have given all of the the um, documentation that I believe supports it. But it's it, it can always I'm sure it could someone could come up with something that they discover somewhere somehow that refutes it. I, I never you know one can never be but so sure in in genealogy. There are always things that suddenly appear and you go, wow, where did that come from? Right. Well, you can always go back and and rework it.
0: (laughs) That's for certain. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. Well, how can individuals –
0: go ahead on. Mm
1: -hmm. No, no, no. How can individuals
0: connect with you? And uh, for those who want to learn more about Mr. Walden, how can they – find your book
1: certainly well uh right now the book is available on amazon as uh, under my name obviously is the author Margot lee lee williams there are there are several other authors named Margot williams in fact Margot lee williams and uh again born missionary the isley walden story it's available both uh, in paperback and as a Kindle. And you can contact me on my website, MargoLeeWilliamsBooks, all one word, dot com. MargoLeeWilliamsBooks.com. And that's Margo without a with, uh, com. And you can also find me on Facebook as Margot Lee Williams and Instagram as Margot Lee Williams. And um so yes, you can I, I I'm around. <laughs> and Margot, do you have yeah. any
0: closing remarks for anyone that may find themselves wanting to do similar research when they find someone that they're really interested in and they want to just Research them as you have done with Mr. Walden.
1: Well, I I think one of your taglines is is um, one of the best things to say. You have to follow the clues. Um, mm-hmm. People have left clues. Sometimes it's very difficult. Sometimes the clue, Sometimes you don't have a lot of clues. Other times you get a bonanza. But you have to keep following, and it can take many years. I do have other other stories where I have one story where it took me 40 years. I know that's not encouraging, but it took me 40 years, but I finally did it. So it is possible. You have to just keep going. Don't give up. But follow the clues and and look in all the places that you can think of. In newspapers, in vital records where they exist, in um, in the deeds, in the probate records, in um, tax records. I mean, there are really many places that we can find information. In our church records, as I as I as I've shown, there are many places where we can find information, and there are many online courses and webinars and seminars that are available for people to learn how to do genealogy research and I su- and I strongly suggest um it, you know attending some of those some of them are free some of them cost but the cost is usually well worth it because you you just learn so much that you can take into the future one coming up shortly is Maggie, the Midwest African American Genealogical Institute. Um, and, you know, again, these are wonderful opportunities. Well, thank you so much for, for
0: mentioning Maggie. And registration is almost up. So please consider registering for, for Maggie. Well, I want to thank you for coming on today, Margo, and sharing with us your research and the fact that you took your research to the next level by putting it in a book. And this is one of the things that, you know, we want to encourage people to share those stories so that others can be inspired just as you have inspired us with Born Missionary. And remember, everyone, your ancestors left footprints. Margo just shared with us all of the footprints she found in newspapers and a whole lot of other resources. So you just need to follow the clues that are presented to you. So, Margo, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. And everyone else, I look forward to you joining me next week. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett. Goodbye, everyone. Bye-bye, Margo.
1: Bye, Bernice, and thank you so much.